back to the In the Round podcast. You got Matt Tyler, the Coda Bear. We're in our fill-in studio right now. Our good buddy, shout out to our buddies Jake and Dave for letting us record at their apartment while we're looking for new residency. And shout out to this girl right here. She is with us from Canada. She is one of the most badass chicks that we see in town here in Nashville. We love her. We got to see her over the weekend play writers round. It's Miss Royal Lynn. Royal, I got to ask you in Canadian fashion, how are you now? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. It's Monday, which you look, we you forget what day it is. That's always. what we always say here yeah. in Nashville. You forget what day it is because like any night could be like the equivalent of what a Friday night is anywhere. Like you just forget and That's everybody's true. just running around and you're running around a lot. Yep. Made a pretty yep. big announcement yesterday, huh? Yes, we have new music coming out. Hey, that's awesome. So yeah. what's the song about Alcatraz? Yes, so it's basically my very own version of a love song. Okay. So <laughs> as you can tell from the title, it, it is, uh, it's basically about being trapped in a relationship that you know you're never going to get out even if you're not together. Awesome, and that drops uh, July 12th? July 12th. Pre-order starts on uh, July 1st, which is Canada Day. Hey! Oh, Canada. (laughs) I'm dead. That's awesome. So so being from Canada, how long have you been here in Nashville? So I've been coming back and forth. I just calculated out the other day because someone asked me, but it's almost been five years now. Oh, wow. So back and forth. So are you like a once a month person where you're coming down? You're coming down for like a couple months at a time? It was was always different. So I started out... um, I quit my jobs and I ended up buying a car and I was like, well, I'm just going to quit my job and drive to Nashville. And everybody thought I was absolutely nuts. My mom thought I was crazy. So, um, yeah, I started coming down for a few months at a time and, you know, with visas and stuff, you can't just move countries. It's very, very illegal. So I had to make sure that I could get a visa and someone to sponsor me to be able to move down permanently. But you're allowed to be here, I think, for three to six months, depending on, you know, what the border gives you as like a visa. And then I was able to obtain my P2, which is a performer visa. Oh, sweet. Okay. Mm -hmm. So right now, how long is this stint of being here? So when was the last time you were in Canada? I had to go back for my sister's wedding, so it's only been like a few weeks, but I usually only get to go back on Christmas and maybe one other time unless I'm doing shows. Okay. Yeah, it's super hard to make it home and it breaks my heart. Well, I mean, Nashville, it feels like we see you out all the time. The first time I met you was actually, we were just talking about uh, Live Oak and being over there and they do a lot of writers rounds and whatnot, but, but when I first moved here in October... Frisky Frogs. I saw you play at Frisky Frogs, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, who is this girl in the cowboy hat? And damn, she's got a voice. And you were playing with uh, with some of our other buddies, like Dave and Greg Pratt yes. and uh, and Paul uh, Paul Knack and all those guys. Yes. And that, that it was just so cool to get to meet you. And, and seeing where you are from last fall to where you are right now with putting out music, it's really cool to see. What's that process been of translating from 2018 to 2019? Well, thank you, first of all, because everything you said was just so nice. No, it, it, honestly, <laughs> seriously, we see you hustle. We've seen you play Whiskey Jam. Aww. We've seen you, like, do Whiskey all Jam stuff. was so much fun. Yeah. That was the first time I had ever played. Yeah. So we had an absolute blast, and it was actually some of, like, you know, the best sound that I've had. Like, I just felt like the room was there. Like, everybody was so energetic, and, you know, I got on stage, and all I saw were phones. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so surreal, because it's like people wanted to capture a moment, and to me, I... I understand like people are like, put down your phones and be in the moment. But for that to be the first thing that I come out on Whiskey Jam, we kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And then all of a sudden we're playing at, you know, 
10 o'clock versus the 7.30 slot that we were given or something like that. And to see everybody with their phones out and then to go back later and watch it, I was so happy that I got to, to witness that, you know, firsthand because that's the first time that it re- had really happened. Yeah, and that's a, that can be a tough room to win over. That's all yeah. people that are doing it themselves that are doing the singer-songwriter thing, people that are in the industry. That's that's They know what good music is. Yes. And if it's not good music, they're going to walk outside and, and screw around and do whatever on the porch or go up on the rooftop now. Yeah. But they stayed and watched your set. Like, yeah, that was, was amazing. That was a big room mm-hmm. for, for your set. I had so much fun. <laughs> that's awesome. So now 2019, we're all the way in June now, which is freaking crazy, almost in July. Almost halfway through the year. Fucking crazy, dude. It's insane. Um, How fast time goes. But 2019, what was kind of your goal coming into this year? So my biggest goal for this year is to open for Cody Johnson or at least have something lined up for that. Okay. So that is one of my biggest goals. Um, I really, really want to be able to hit a market with my music. And we have kind of the same market. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that was one of, I, uh, we're still trying to get there, but uh, we've had a lot of good you know, steps towards getting to that goal. And I really wanted to release three songs that will be released this year. And we already have the fourth ready for January too. So, um, we're really working away at getting an EP where people will be, you know, excited to listen to it. And it hits all sorts of Western marketing along the way. Yeah. So Alcatraz is slower, but I can promise you the next one that's coming out is going to be, you know, one of my favorite songs I've ever written. So I'm super excited about this process. That's awesome. So are you doing the whole thing? Because a lot of people right now are doing the thing where they'll put together an EP, but they're releasing them all as singles. Are you doing that and then going to package together as an EP later? Yes. So I want to do that, but I also want to do, I think it's the fifth song. I'm going to do it so you have to buy the album to get the fifth. Like a bonus track. Like a bonus track almost, because That's I really nice. wanted something to people to look forward to, because after they've already bought all the singles, it just didn't make sense for me to for them to go and buy it as like a package. Yeah. And I do want to sell CDs. I get asked at every show that's even at home. They're like, where can we get your music? And it's such a digital market now that we don't need to, you know, so to speak, make CDs yeah. and sell them because they just don't sell. Right. So... I will be doing something like that, and I do plan to drop that either January or February okay. and have that together. Sweet. That's so. awesome. Nice. Now with songwriting, when did you first get into this music thing? When was it that moment where you were like, I want to do this for a living. I want to I be that girl on stage, kicking ass. <laughs> I want to be writing songs. Well, I have been performing and taking singing lessons and guitar since I was probably 10 years old. Okay. So... I remember writing my first few songs being that age when I literally knew three chords and none of the truth (laughs) was when I was writing my first songs and they were terrible and I never wanted to show anyone. I'd show my mom. She'd be like, oh, cool. That's great. Like, you know, supportive, (laughs) but like, all right, well, let's get a college degree, you know? And when I got older, you mean, I'm like 10 years old writing these songs that are Not good that I look back now, but she saved all of them in a box and I found them a few years ago and I was like, these are terrible. I'm like, look at the writing. I'm like, why would you keep these? And she was like, well, I had to, like, I feel like that's such a piece of you. Even if, even if you think they were terrible, you were 10 years old writing these songs about stuff that, you know, we had no idea you knew anything about. Yeah. So I really started young. And then when I was 15, I won 
a contest to be the Canadian Hannah Montana. So I got to hit. No shit. Yeah, I got to hit like huge stages along the way. And stages that. <laughs> that I, is fucking awesome. Stages that and I don't even get to play now being an artist myself. How did that come come about? How did that, how did that come about? <laughs> I, okay, so my mom woke me up one morning and I remember she was in my room and it was early and she's like, hey, wake up. I've got a, I've got an audition that I want you to go to today. And I was like, like, I was like, can I just go back to bed? She's like, nope, get up. So we went and there was probably a hundred girls and yeah, I sang my first song and they pulled me aside, which obviously was a Hannah Montana. I had a karaoke machine. So like I was grooving in my room. What Hannah Montana song was it? I think I sang the climb. I'm almost certain that I sang that one or Rockstar because there was two. It had to be upbeat and then. I did the climb just as like a bonus and there was four weeks of auditions and they pulled me aside the first week and said, Hey, like we found you, you like, we have four weeks of auditions left, but now we're just going to pick your backup singers. Oh shit. Oh wow. So you can imagine girls coming into thinking they're auditioning are getting cast as like background singers. So being 15 and being in like a room full of girls who wanted to be number one, you know what I mean? And I was like, terrified to be on stage too so I'm already competing with these girls who are like well I can do it if she can't you know so I really had to learn quickly and learn the songs and learn the dances and learn choreography and set changes because halfway through the show I would take off my blonde wig and I had really dark hair and I got to be Miley so you got to play in both I got the best of both worlds (laughs) <laughs> shit that, that, that what, was it just called the Canadian Hannah Montana or did they have like a Canadian name yeah, for the Hannah like, Montana character it was like a Hannah Montana tribute or something along those lines we tried to find videos like we're talking 10 years ago yeah. where video wasn't a huge yeah. thing and pictures like we had our our PC <laughs> drive just yeah. completely wipe so that had all oh. of our photos and we never printed too many of them. So sometimes I'll find one like come up in a batch and I laugh yeah. because the blonde wig looked terrible. <laughs> like I'm blonde now, but like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It was hilarious, but it was so much fun because I got to play, you know, um, the London music hall and like things that I would, oh, wow. would have never gotten to, to do in my, from Southern Ontario. Right? Yeah. So we did shows every single weekend and it, it went on to more and I was still taking voice lessons. Like I'm classically trained in voice, stuff like that. So it helps. A classically trained in voice. What does that mean? So there's a Royal Conservatory of the Arts. And that's where I started when I was, you know, around 10. And every six months you were able to do one of your grades. And it's hard. It was harder than any high school exam that I had ever done. And it was... It was so hard. I talked yeah. to my vocal coach now because I'm like, it was terrible. She's like, I know, trust me. Like, I did it too. And it was like, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. You had to learn like 10 songs and have each, everything had to be perfect. So you're being graded. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Doing music for a grade is probably one of the most stressful things, especially whenever the grades left to the, like, it's not like a set in stone thing. Like, you know, I did guitar for a little bit in college. And even then, like, you could play something exactly how it is on paper, but, like, a professor might be like, eh, there wasn't feeling in it like I wanted it to be, so. Damn, it can be so subjective. Yeah, yeah, it's very subjective, and it's up to, like, the professor, you know? And, like, there was times where, like, people just weren't liked by the professors, and the professors would, like, take it out on them times. And, like, I saw that, and that's, music's, like, one of those things for college that it's rough. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love my vocal coach now here in Nashville. Like, she's phenomenal. Like, works with people like Maren Morris and, you know, crazy people like Brothers Osborne. That's yeah. why I kind of went to her. And Greg Pratt actually recommended her. She's oh, no amazing. Shit. Awesome. So, so she really, like, helped me because when you're that young, you don't know your sound and you don't know where you're going. And now I know exactly how I want to sound. And I know, like, for most of my songs before I go in the studio, I see her three times that week just being like how do I sing this word or am I breathing in the right spot and like I don't think a lot of people know like realize how much goes into a song when you're recording it you know live is completely different than in the studio yeah I'm sure absolutely now coming down to Nashville what were your initial thoughts of this crazy town that we now call home I loved it from the second that I saw the Batman building I was in I was like full force <laughs> ahead. I was like, this is home and I will never leave. Like, unless I get deported, which hopefully not. But no, I, I, <laughs> hey, hey, we got your back. That yeah, ain't yeah. happening. Someone marry me if hey, I get hey, deported, we, guys. We, we got you here. I know the Rays Rowdy guys. They got yeah. you. There's a whole whole crew of people. We, a, lot of, a lot of Royal Lynn supporters <laughs> here in the States. I love Rays um, Rowdy. Now, your, um, your first experience walking down, say, Broadway or Midtown, yeah. what was that like? Honestly, seeing the mass amounts of people is overwhelming. And I remember we, where were we? The first night we got here, they dropped us off and we had no idea which way to go. Like we were ass backwards. So you're from like a small, like more of a rural, like country area. Yeah. Yeah. I went to school in like in Ottawa. So I saw, I saw a big city, but the mass amount of people that come down here, like tourist wise, I was like. And the party that comes with it, or oh, just yeah. the crazy, the crazy shit that you see on Broadway. I know it's like over, crazy. over the weekend. We took, uh, we had Brandon out with us, one of my roommates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. He had, he had, he had a girl with him, and he just, he just got back from being deployed at Guantanamo Bay in the army, and his, um, his friend that he had with him had never been to Nashville, and we were out there for maybe two hours when I yeah. bumped into him. We saw three people get arrested. We went <laughs> in. They, they both got hammered. And we went to like four bars and we, I took them to the Sun Diner to eat. So they had like, they got all that experience. Like they got to see all the crazy shit yeah. in the span of like two hours. Like you spend <laughs> two hours on Broadway, you're just going to see like crazy yeah, no. shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, when was it? Saturday night. I got off of work at like 10 and had to get an Uber. And it took 40 minutes for the Uber to get from like Demumbrian De- uh, and 5th down the third and broad. 40 mm. minutes for my Uber to get there. Yeah, that's oh, crazy. Goodness. Yeah, I always meet that. them at like Korean vets. Yeah, that's Anywhere, a good idea. like the the big diner with the... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I meet them because it's insane. Yeah. I was down there partying on Saturday. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> the, and then, a lot of things that people don't... Uh, or a big thing that people don't, don't really get unless they're coming down here a lot... Broadway and Midtown, two very different places. People yes. ask me, where do, where do we go to get somewhere quieter? And I send them to Midtown. What was your first experience like going to like Winners, Losers, Doghouse, those bars? I loved it. So the first one that I think Baker Grism and I used to run around together a okay. lot. Like he was like my first friend in town and we used to always go to Red Door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Red Door is my favorite. Yeah. It, like getting people to look in the hole in the middle of the yes. floor. Uh, <laughs> I still like, haven't done that. That it, is my favorite thing to make people do. I forget done. who got me. It might have been Dave or Jake or or was you? 
Yeah, he was like, "Hey, dude, there's uh, there's dead bodies." And I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" He's like, "Dude, look, look in the hole. Look in the hole right there." And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And then I go to look, and I'm like, "Oh shit, there's this." Like, well, you got to go see it for yourself. I ain't gonna spoil, spoil the surprise. I still but. haven't seen it, so you have to look. It's like a rite of passage. Yeah, here. I mean, I haven't spent a ton of time at Red Door. Usually, when I'm at Red Door, like I've passed, gone, and need to yeah. go home. They're Italian subs. Are the best, and their potato salad is out of this world. I gotta try the Italian subs. Being from New York, I'm from the land of Italian subs. They yes. have food. I gotta yes. try that. <laughs> they food. do have food. We yeah, we're, always, never, we're we, always in there at like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still serving. Oh, I, really? Yeah, because that's why we would go. We would. Oh. We would write or go see a show, and then. It's a game changer. Now we know. Cookout, yeah. But this is a game changer because I mean, there's always and, daddy dogs now, and there's daddy's dogs. I and have cookout. never had a daddy dog. Really? Yeah. No, I'm not in. Yeah. No, also two boots right there. Two boots is my place. All the food in Midtown's pretty and, good. Uh, yeah. Stillery. I yeah. had that for the first time. Slider house. I miss uh Soulshine Pizza Factory. Oh, I never went. That that was like one of the terrible tragedies of Nashville whenever oh. they got shut down. They got shut down because like a bunch of people moved in the high rises from like New York and all. And hey, hey, no, no, I no, saw this you, is true. I saw you point at me. Yeah, yeah, I you did. watched it there, Alabama. But a bunch of like New Yorkers <laughs> moved in and stuff and was complaining because they had music on the rooftop. They were complaining about noise. Oh, that's terrible. And so the city like told them like, all right, put like a roof on it and we'll let you go. So they ended up putting a roof on it, tried to open back up with it, and they still got complaints. And so basically they had to shut down because they couldn't keep business in there. Aww. But that place, like on a Friday and Saturday night, like it was always blues music. Oh, and cool. so like it was really great musicians, really great time. It was really mm-hmm. great uh, pizza too. But like having to put a roof on the outside on that rooftop like killed the vibe. There's still one down in Franklin, but the one in Midtown was my favorite Aww. place. That's too bad because Whiskey Jam has an outdoor concert yeah i mean yeah. i guess it's only three days a year right yeah but still yeah, i mean like this was like i think they had music four or five nights a week like they had it seven that. days but they had it on the patio outside like four or that's five nights bad. a week yeah because it is music city and that's what's so cool but i i had some buddies in town from new york over the weekend mm-hmm. and they were just like they were blown away that when you walk down broadway and you just hear music <laughs> constantly and you're one of those people that that is that is doing stuff, doing that circuit from time yeah. to time and whatnot. What's that like for you? Because you got your solo thing going out. Like you got, there's Royal Lynn music out there. There's more yeah. music coming, but you're playing these these shows. I'm probably doing the cover circuit. How hard is it to flip that switch? So I actually try to make sure that I'm keeping a business mind about it because it is my full time job. Yeah. So I've really cut down my hours now. But at a point I was playing six days a week and I make sure that I have cards and I have my koozies and I have stuff to sell that's like my merch. I make sure they know my name, where I'm from, my story at every single one of these uh, shows because I can stay in one place and hit people from all over America or Canada. All over the the world. world. Yeah. 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 So it's such a business side to myself just being like, hey, you are here to build a following and you get paid to build a following and it's kind of people don't take it as seriously as that. And I make sure my shows are top notch and I have duo partners that I literally like outshine me because I, I just want people to have such a good show. And I make sure like me and Hunter Girl, we play together a lot and we're best friends and we write together and yeah. we do everything together. She'll love <laughs> she'll love that I just said that. <laughs> and uh 
we make sure our harmonies are on point because people will come back to our show and they see two girls powerhousing down there because it's not very common. I know at Whiskey Row, you guys have the trio. We have Dazi that comes they in. They are badass. And they there's, a, there's another band that played uh, Tiger Lily. And they're really good too. Yep. They played uh, Monday night a few weeks ago and they were killer. Girl power, man. It's, like People it, love it. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. Like Obviously, there's there's... There was that tomato gate shit that happened years ago, and I was working radio back then with when when there was the PD that had said that and whatnot. But it seems like recently there is a real mm-hmm. girl power movement, and not just like say like a, like a candy bubble like country like pop country. Yeah. There's like like just badass girls like yourself, Lainey <laughs> Wilson, you. Meg Patrick, yes. Farron Rachels, Hannah Dasher, Casey Tindall, yes. that are doing just badass things and doing it your yeah. way. Mm-hmm. What's it like to be a part of a movement like that? <laughs> I feel like all these girls who are amazing, each one of them I could go on and on about because I love each style that they all have, but we're not all doing the same thing. Yeah. And we're all constantly trying to think outside the box and pushing as far as, you know, I do Western country music. So I'm trying to really see how far I can stretch that box before, you know, I can't before people are like, okay, that's too you're walking a fine line there. Yeah. Um, but I think that we've had so much going on in like Texas music and, you know, Nashville music based that like Texas is my next big thing to go down there and try and win everyone over. Cause yeah. I do really think that I, I'm from Canada. So I'm like, Hey, invite this Canadian girl to sing. I have a huge following in, in Texas already. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. They see the cowboy hat. They see the boots and they see, you know, authenticity. They hear, they, they also hear the lyrics and yes. what you're right. Like, like no saddle. Yes. Your first ever, that song that you put that out. That song did so awesome. well. It did really well. And it, and it's about some real shit. That's <laughs> yeah. people in Texas, people that are big into the red dirt scene. It crosses over somewhat into what's called Americana now, but mm-hmm. has more of those traditional country style values and makes it in. They care a lot about lyrics and about realness and authenticity and you're showing that and the fact that you said the Kojo thing that was really cool (laughs) what other Red Dirt artists are you really into uh I really like Randall King okay he's awesome too I got to see them uh Cody and Randall at the uh Ryman I saw you at that show I was yeah we were I saw I saw your face at that show we were sitting not too far away from you yeah dying I love I love Cody Johnson he is he's like he's like going home for me Every single song hits me right in the feels and gets me pumped up. Like people are like, oh, what gets you pumped up before a night out? I'm like, Cody Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. But I'm like me and my kind. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Like and I had a girl come up to me and she was like, you know, I really respect you because you wear your cowboy boots. And I was like, well, I don't own anything else except my Crocs. So we don't have a lot of option here. And she was like, you make me feel like I can wear cowboy boots again. And that blew my mind. This happened like last week. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, that's I was, a really. Cool I hope thing. girls wear their cowboy boots. Yeah, go get them dirty. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't just wear them downtown. Everybody yeah. kind of wears them downtown. But yeah. I used to, yeah, I used to work at Boot Barn downtown, and a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, <laughs> need some boots for being in Nashville, and you're like, you'll never wear them again. Yeah, they're so, like the cheapest pair, and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so, so growing up, were you doing outdoorsy kind of things, like doing the rodeo thing, and? Yeah, so my mom is a horse trainer. She's had horses my whole life. So we grew up on a horse farm. And I get a lot of my inspiration from her. And she taught me how to ride and, you know, live on a farm and take care of animals. And I do get a little bit of, you know, the country outdoors here a little bit because 
I go and I volunteer at a therapeutic course center once a week. And I try really hard to make sure that, you know, I get out there because it's one of those things where you you don't get paid to be there. She does a lot for me and I make sure that I take care of the horses and do whatever she needs done because we're able to film music videos out there and we're able to use the horses for promotional stuff. And that means the world to me. So... And for you to just have that taste of home, like yes. you're, like you're, you're, you might be in Tennessee, but Nashville is not the like a country outdoorsy. It's very no, much a city now. It's it, very much a city. It's very much. I mean, you can go not too far out, and you can be mm-hmm. out out in BFE and be out in the middle yeah. of nowhere and be around farms and stuff. But that's really cool. You get that well, kind of opportunity you. stuff. So, were you doing like barrel racing at all? Were you doing like rodeo stuff, or were you just around it kind of thing? Like you got to so, witness it. My mom rides dressage. Okay. I I always rode Western. So growing up, we did get to do shows and stuff like that. And I really switched from maybe when I was like 15, I really was like, well, riding isn't a passion for me. It wasn't something that I really wanted to do up front every single week. Yeah. So I asked if I could do guitar and I could do singing instead. So I really kind of made a switch when I was you know, 15 to kind of be like, I want to learn how to do these skills versus, you know, riding. And we couldn't do both. So, um, we always had horses at the house and my mom always taught me to ride there. But on top of that, I was really working towards a career. So to go back to it when I was about 20 and be able to actually like enroll in like a, uh, a rodeo with my girlfriends, that was so much fun. And we got to do that in BC and it was more fun than I've had in a long time. We used to just pack our backpacks full of booze and (laughs) booze basically just booze and we would go and we'd ride in the mountains in bc and we would just go out all day and my mom would be like are you alive and i'm like i don't have silver service so (laughs) and it was so much fun and coming back to it then it really helped develop you know these songs that are written about such specific things and i wish i could have rodeoed from when i was a kid to now but i really had to choose we didn't have enough to do both so now is that is that um, something that makes you feel like that song, Dear Rodeo, oh that Kojo God. puts out. Is that a song that hits you, hit, gives you the feels, hits you in the heart yeah. and soul? Yeah, so that song, I remember I heard that uh, he did a private show at Acme, and it was all acoustic, and it had some of his songwriters who have been with him since the first albums. And he sang Dear Rodeo, and I have it. I videotaped the whole thing. And that was when I was hooked. I was completely head over heels for this sort of country music. And it does break your heart because sometimes you have to give up a dream to live another dream. Yeah. And you know, that's where a lot of like, that's where Wyoming came from. Yeah. Was giving up someone who had a dream to be able to do your dream too. So, I mean, that song is coming. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We can talk about that one a little bit. Uh, Now, um, speaking about songwriting, do you, they say that people have like crews or like their circles that they could tend to write with. Yeah. And because you want to write with somebody or write with a group of people that you gel with. It's, it can be risky just to go into a room with people that like say a publisher or yeah. somebody's trying to set you up with. For you, who are some of those people, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I really like to write with, like I said, Hunter Girl is one of my number ones. I'll always call her if I've got, you know, a really good idea. I'm yeah. like, girlfriend, you got to hear this. <laughs> and we always just drive and she's like, I already got a melody. I'm like, cool, we're, we got to write this. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll literally just talk about it in, in person and be like, you know, this is where we want this to go. So I do write with, you know, some different people like Davis Corley was on okay. Alcatraz that is being released. And um, I really try and make sure that my circles aren't, closed so I always write with new people and I I make that a point because 
you're only going to be as good as, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I actually want to be the person who's the lessest because I want to learn at every single right. And I want to make sure that I'm always like moving up and moving forward and yeah. not being stuck. And I find I used to do that where I'd be like, well, I'm comfortable writing with this person. It's like, well, you could have gotten an amazing song with, you know, if you just broadened your, yeah. um, your circle, like just a little bit. So, so yeah, I love songwriting. Yeah. So. What was your first co-writing experience like? Were you doing that up in Canada at all before you came down or was that a Nashville thing for you? I was doing a little bit. So we have a recording school in London, Ontario, and they they would call me and say, hey, we've got a school project. Could you write something? And we will we'll basically put a track to it. And okay. I was like, sure. So I started doing that, and I did that about twice, and I realized that, you know, my co-writers weren't people that I was, like, jiving with. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. a huge thing, which they didn't really want country either. So I think I was a little bit out of my, you know uh, – with everything on that. So definitely my first co-writing experience wasn't like the best, but I feel like that happens to everyone. If you get to town and you've never written with someone and you're not able to open up and you know, you have to say stupid things. Yeah. It's just the way that it is. And you have to be silly and you have to be open-minded. So it took me, you know, about a year of even being down here to be like, okay, well these people aren't telling you your line sucks. No. They're literally just trying to make the song better, you know? If yeah. you think you can do a better line, it's like, don't tell people that line sucks. Say, hey, what if we said it in this way? You know? So it's been a lot of learning, even for me. I learn it every single write that I do. Something better, you know? <laughs> yeah, now how often are you writing? Is this, like, a, a regular thing for you? Like, yeah. week to week? Or is, it, or is it when, like, an idea pops up kind of thing? So I like to keep... It's a, it's a muscle, you know, songwriting. So I always try and make at least one a week. That's, that's like, that's, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Songwriting is a muscle. It's Damn. a muscle. And you're only going to get better if, you know, I've, I like to say like, I'm terrible writing on my own now because I love the flow of like a, a write where it's like, well, you have this idea and I have this idea and we wouldn't have gotten there without each other. So I really have to step back some days and be like, you need to write by yourself at least once a week. Yeah. You know, it's hard because we play full time. We have our own shows on top of that. We're trying to write in the midst of all that. So summer is like kind of my writing period. Okay. And then winter, I try and hustle and make sure that, you know, I have enough work for the rest of the year and stuff yeah. like that. So I love I love writing. So if someone comes to me, they're like, hey, I have a good idea. I will try and schedule you in wherever I have time. And okay. even if we have to write till midnight, that's the way it goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, do, do you also, something that um, Nelson had brought this up when we had him on. He was saying that sometimes the, he feels like the, the best songs that he comes up with are done in the quickest amount of time. Like, he, like he's had some where yeah. he feels like there's bangers that come out in 45 minutes as opposed to when he's in a room with somebody for like five hours. Yes. How, What's, what are your thoughts on something like that? After three hours, if we are not even to the second verse, clearly we're just not, you know, we're not there. So I always say after after three hours, let's come back to it okay. or let's, you know, take a break. Like, let's get lunch or something, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's just a matter of getting to know that person a little bit better to be like, hey, what do we want to say here? Like, what are you feeling? I've had rights where they get there and the girls are like, hey, I'm... I'm just not in a good headspace. And it's like, okay, let's go get a coffee. And if that leads to a right, that's great. And if not, you know, you made a contact that maybe yeah. you wouldn't have before. So. Yeah. yeah. 
And what were you going to say, Tyler? I was going to say, uh, I know we've talked about this with other guests a lot. When do you feel you're most creative, like time-wise? Because I know, like, for me, like, when I write, like, especially if I'm by myself, like, that, like, midnight to, like, 3 a.m. slot is, like, my, like, yeah. most creative, Your like... golden hour. Yeah. <laughs> that's whenever, like, all, like, my good stuff that I've, like, really enjoyed has come out, really. Um, I, I guess mine would kind of be, you know, 2 o'clock to 6 or so. I can really get into a song. I'm a huge morning person, and people always laugh at me because they're like, are you tending to the horses at 6 a.m.? Like, what do you do at that time? And I don't know. My mom has always been an early riser, so I think I really adopted that feature. And I love to get up early, and I make sure that, like, as soon as I hear my coffee maker going, like, around 7.30, I'm like, oh, I love it. Like, I am so excited for that first cup of coffee. And... I am my most productive, not songwriting wise, but most productive, my first two hours of being awake. So in those hours, like people are like, what have you done today? I'm like, well, I've been to the gym. I did my laundry. I did this. And they're just like, whoa, you are too much. It's 9 a.m. What the heck? I'm on my sixth (laughs) cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So by the time I get to work, you know, I play a lot of two to sixes now, which before I was playing a lot of 10 to twos when I was working at other bars other than Luke Bryan's and so now being on the two to six shift, I feel like I have to be on my game and my voice needs to be perfect. So I'm taking a lot of time for vocal rest, a lot more than I've ever been used to. And that's been something that's so hard because I want to write in the morning. Yeah. But now it's kind of flipping it. So it's like you need to schedule your rights Monday to Tuesday and the rest of the week you need to take care of your voice and you need to work as best you can, you know, to pay your rent. And we have so many projects. So... Um, it's really been a learning curve and I feel like I'm most productive from two to six. So I schedule my rights and I usually do two a day, Monday to Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) But working on it, we're working on (laughs) going down hours downtown so that my creative side can really flow all week. Yeah. But until that pub deal or that 360 (laughs) label deal, you know, we can't really do that yet. Right. You said you like coffee. How do you take your coffee? Black. Black. Yeah. Like a true cowboy. (laughs) <laughs> do you have a co- do you have a do you have a place that you like to get coffee downtown? I actually okay, so I have a lot of Tim Hortons, a okay. lot of Timmy's at the house. Of course you do. I love it. Just like Dave has the freaking Wawa Jersey Boy stuff here, yes. the, the taste of home. But my favorite coffee, my mom brings it from BC, and it's made in the mountains in this little shack. And I used to always get my coffee there, <laughs> and so she carts it back. It's kind of like the underground coffee railroad. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love it. So she brings me like three bags every time that she comes to visit. But I do have Timmy's because I'm, I'm back in Ontario more than I'm out in BC. Now, if there's somebody like, have you been to a Tim Hortons before? Uh, I hope you have because you would love it if you have. You would remember they, if you have. Aren't they starting to have those down here a little bit now? They're moving They're moving farther down, but they're not here. They're still, they're like, here I've had them up in Maine and New Hampshire. Yes. Like right along uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the, the I have, Canadian. I had whenever I was I'm in Connecticut. I think they okay. had one like I was up in Maine one time. Yeah. How would you describe Tim Hortons to somebody like Dakota over there, a a unicorn here in Nashville? Um, horns up for the unicorns. Uh, <laughs> this is Dakota over there. How would you describe a Tim Hortons? Because they don't have anything that's kind of like that here. They don't. And I've tried every everything that people have said, like, hey, this is similar. I try it and I'm like, no. Like twice daily is not Tim Hortons. Oh no. my God, no. The white buffalo is not good. No, it's not. <laughs> no. I have gotten coffee there because I've been. Have you ever done like oh. Quick Trip? 
No. Quick trip. I, I don't even I don't, like Dunkin' Donuts. I don't really remember. Drink Dunkin'? No, it's terrible. <laughs> so I don't really remember Tim Hortons oh, that much, but like Quick Trip to me has the best coffee in the South. Interesting. They're mostly like Atlanta, like Georgia, like that area kind yeah. of thing. Uh, South Carolina, like that part of the country. I that. But yeah. I feel like. Timmy's is its own world. I love that you oh, call yeah. it Timmy's, by the way. That is the it most. Is. That's what we call Canadian, it. Tim's, Timmy's. Timmy's. I feel like the <laughs> Tim Horton, Bucky's, Wawa, like those three are kind of like. Sheets is up Sheets, there too. Sheets is up there too. That's kind of like the Whataburger in and out five guys battle. <laughs> like they're I all love good. that comparison. That's hilarious. Yeah, because we, we love them and you, there were. As Tim Hortons is mostly twenty four hours, right? There's yeah, all Timmy's. of them are pretty much yeah. now. So you can yeah, so like but they have like donuts. You know and what, they have you know how popular Timmy's Timbits? would be. Timbits, I miss Timbits. Oh my god, Timbits are like donut holes. That's what you guys call them. Oh, okay, but they're good. Usually they're not good here. Then again, yeah. I've never had them at Dunkin', so Dunkin', <laughs> don't hate me. I just you, don't. you also got to try uh, my favorite place in town to get those is uh, Fox's Donut Den down in oh. Green Hills. If you can get like the blueberry donut holes fresh off, are they those good? Are amazing. You shouldn't tell me these things because I live in Green Hills. I used to work oh, at Godiva no. at the mall, and I okay. would open up the store and I'd swing by like every time I open and just pick like, up a dozen. Hey, it's I, me. You know what I want. I do miss them, but I do get my fill. Like my, I have a lot of people who are like, "Hey, we're coming down. What do you need?" I'm like, "Well, it's like I got ba- grab me a tin of it's like I got, it's like I got bagel smugglers that come down from they New come York down and bring and they them bring for me bagels. you. Yeah, because see, have mine had to get past the border. Oh, so, so they're really smuggling. Them. Yeah, no, no, you're allowed to bring coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went home, I was like, I talked to the guy at uh, customs, and I was like, "Hey, I have coffee." He was like, "Really." Like, you're going to have to get rid of it. I was like, really? Like, I can't even get it because I. when you go into America and you go into the American side, even if you're at the border, everything turns to American. Even if you're at in Toronto at the airport. So they had Timmy's on the other side of the glass. Oh, and I no. could see it, but you can't get to it because it's <laughs> on the Canadian, like, uh, deporting oh, wherever they're going yeah. in Canada. And he was like, I'm just kidding with you. Coffee's fine. Timmy, take all the Timmy's you want. Yeah, and even at the border, they always ask me, they're like, should I know who you are? And I'm like, it breaks my heart to be like, no, no, you shouldn't. It's okay, but here's my card. <laughs> so then next time I do come through, you're like, hey, because they're always like, oh, I had pink last week and like all these artists that fly in or yeah. drive over the border in their buses, right? So it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> do you miss Canada a, a ton? I miss certain things. There are, you know... I miss like the kind of chips that I love, and I I miss certain things. They're I, starting to bring those down here, like the all dressed. Yeah, Lace or the has dill them. pickle. Lace has them now. Dill pickle chips. Yes. Yeah. I will bring some for you guys because you would love them. Dill pickle chips. We have dill seasoning not for bad. popcorn. Like yeah, y'all are missing out. That's all I have to say. But oh, I do miss Letter it. Kenny makes this reference so many times. Yeah. Have oh you missed God. it? Letter Kenny <laughs> and Trailer Park Boys. How accurate are they? Um, I mean, I grew up with Trailer Park Boys. Um, I don't like Letterkenny, but it's not to say that I I don't like them as people. Yeah, yeah, I just no, because those, like 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 those are like big. Those are like big at. Those are like. I feel like they're not very big where I'm from in Canada. Yeah. Like, no one has ever come out to me and be like, "Did you see that episode last night?" It's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, it's it's kind of like Jersey Shore for the Jersey people. Yes, like. yeah, it's kind of like if you're from there, I just don't feel like it's a huge you know, celebration. Okay. But I feel like the stereotype, if someone did that about an American, I don't feel like it would go over well. 
No, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally, totally understand. <laughs> I was just asking. Me, we we watched. It was just, it's just funny, funny humor late at night. It I actually finished humor. it the other night. I, I got tired it? of waiting on y'all. I waited like three months for y'all. Oh I rewatched. God. Listen, I rewatched it all the way back through and got to the end. And I was like, all right, it's like three a.m. I'm finishing it. That's crazy. Season seven's coming out though. Yeah, but they film a lot of like Americanized shows in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know that Riverdale was filmed yep. kind of where my mom lives in BC and like so was Bates Motel. I've been to the Bates Motel. Where is really? uh Sits Creek filmed at? I don't know where they so Eugene Levy is Canadian. Yeah. And yeah. so is his and son. like we had Jesse on last week and he's like Shits Creek's doing really well up in Canada. That's I love Shits Creek. Oh yeah, I do too. Me and my grandpa have watched it and we just sit there and die laughing. Like it's hilarious. It is. Um, I really do like that show. There's so many, like, there's a lot of horror movies that are filmed up there, and I know The Fourth Kind, if you haven't seen it. I'm a huge scary movie Well, you buff. were talking about a uh, kind of, I don't know if you call it scary, but definitely a thriller. Earlier, you walked in, we were watching Final Destination. <laughs> yeah, and you were loving you were. it. You're like, wait, yeah. this is going to happen. This is going to yeah. happen. She's calling out the but shots. That was, that was filmed where you're at, right? Yes. One, I believe the first one was. I'm not sure about the whole series, but I know that um, Lionsgate... Yeah. Is also that's a Vancouver uh, film. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. So they they film a lot of stuff using a lot of the Vancouver yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. things. So which is awesome because it's Canadian based, and then I'm sure they're they have a partnership here with someone. But right, uh, Lionsgate films a lot of the scary movies. So like a lot of that's the really Saw cool. movies. Yeah, where, yeah. You know, it's great. It's great. That's awesome. Production company. Sorry. You said that. Uh, the log truck scene that that's a road that you used to you used to have to drive highway to hell you were saying it's called so yes so that my mom lives in squamish bc so vancouver to squamish has one road in and one road out if there is a rock slide if there's any sort of accident you are stuck on that highway because you can't turn around you can't go anywhere so i used to drive that and the logging trucks that come up from you know the interior and go around all the way from whistler to Vancouver, wherever they're going. And I used to have to drive it. And I remember I, I watched that as a teenager and then driving it as an adult. And I was like, this is terrifying. Like you could easily go over the edge here. If you're driving too fast, like you can slide out. You kind of feel like a race car driver. Because it's so many, like, twists and turns. Yeah. Oh, we had to go to uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. And there, it's nothing but, like, two-lane mountain roads that really aren't two lanes <laughs> and we're in a sprinter with a trailer and there's points where like Terrifying. you're making hairpin turns and, like you look like I was on the outside yeah and like I'm like looking down I'm like if we like go two inches to the yeah. right we're over this mountain oh it's crazy I actually lived in a trailer up in Squamish with like oceanfront property okay was, oceanfront oh, awesome. property oceanfront awesome. property yeah it's just like the George Strait song only there actually was. Um, <laughs> but that's actually where Alcatraz stemmed from, was from, you know, that living arrangement uh, with with my ex, who still lives there, and my trailer is somewhere up in that mountain. I just don't know where. <laughs> so you talked about George Strait, uh, and you talked about Kojo, uh, some other influences for you. Casey Musgraves. Okay. Top Hell of my yeah. head. Yeah. Old Casey. I love her new stuff, too, but old yeah. Casey, she really stuck to her guns, and she didn't... She didn't conform to what people wanted her to be. And, you know, that's how she got Mama's Broken Heart Cut. And yeah. you got to write with Shane McAnally from the start, you know, yeah. things like that. And now she's won. She's won everything under the sun now. Yeah, I'm, she's won Grammys. She's she won. is someone I would love. There are two people I would love to get, three people, sorry, that I would love to get into a writer's room with. That's Miranda Lambert. 
Kojo, <laughs> obviously Cody Johnson, and uh, Casey Musgraves. So gunning for it. Gunning for it. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Yeah, but you, you, you seem to really like that Red Dirt scene. I love the Red Dirt scene, and they're all from Texas. Yeah. And there's and there's a a connection now. There's Because it seemed like there was like a divide between this is Texas and this is Nashville. Yeah. There's a bridge coming together right now. And I there think Kojo coming to town and yes. signing that major deal is, is a An big sign of that. unheard of deal. Yeah, that doesn't happen. No, no, it doesn't. He had an empire before he even got here. And I've been a fan since... Before the Kojo Nation yeah. ever set in, because we were listening to him in Canada. Yeah. So I can't wait to be like, hey, I was listening to with UIM before you were ever in, like, maybe not Nashville, but you know what I mean, like, before you were radio. Yeah, and he's got in- some big shows coming up, and I can't wait to see what the rest of the country mm-hmm. thinks of him. Because I've, I've, I saw him play a show, Taste of Country Music Festival in Hunter Mountain, New York. Okay. They set up a stage and you're, the crowd is like going up the side of a mountain. It's on like a ski oh, slope. Cool. It's like a redneck Woodstock. It's right where Woodstock was like recorded. Yeah, it was awesome. I saw Kojo there a couple of years ago and seeing what a, what a crowd from the Northeast <laughs> thought of this Texas cowboy, I was like, holy shit. Who is this guy? guy? Like, I'd heard of him and I'd heard some of his songs, but that live show, holy shit. He gets better and better. And even at the Ryman, he still did the same thing. He's flying around stage on the Ryman. And then he had his little girls come up and sing. And it it was awesome. And I feel like, with like, uh, as Ryan referred to it, the underbelly of country music, like the stuff that's not getting the radio, Mm -hmm. and especially like the Texas stuff, like, even in the Northeast, out West, like everywhere yeah. you go, you can relate to that because they're living that lifestyle and they're actually writing about yeah. what they know and they're writing about real things. And people can relate to that where a lot of the pop stuff, you know, people aren't relating. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. catchy, yeah, it's poppy, but they're not necessarily right. like grabbing on or relating to it and becoming the super fans like Kojo yeah. and like Tyler Childers and Jason Isbell and all those guys are yeah. having right now. The underdogs. Yeah, really. because... They're not connecting with their songs in that way, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's completely about connecting with your audience. I think that's something very important. You can put out a great record, but if you're not going to connect with anybody, you know, yeah. I feel like there's no that's point. Yeah. One of my biggest people right now is Tyler Childers. He's great. He's great. And I follow, like, a few, like, fan groups on, like, mm-hmm. Facebook, and there's always, like, pictures of, like, hey, saw him walking around today, like, before the show, stopped him, he talked to me for 20 minutes. Yeah. And, like, or people will bring, like, Stuff like, uh, I forgot what it was. It was something like a cancer patient made it something for him. And he like wore it that night at the show or like brought it on stage or something. Like, you know, that's the real connection to fans that people were looking for. To the people. Yeah. Yeah, Especially within country music. I feel like there's always been that going back to what Garth, what Garth used to do and what people like Tim McGraw would do. Like, like all those kind of artists and whatnot, the nineties. Legends. So where can people go to find you? Because you've got a lot of stuff coming up 2019. Yes. You're going out on the road at all? Is it music? Is it mostly writing? Is it get ready to put out music? Well, for the rest of 2019, I think we'll just be like studio and getting getting my message to everybody. Because awesome. I feel like that's my biggest thing. And you know, as soon as 2020 hits, I wanna be I wanna be on the road and I wanna be in Texas. And that's one of my biggest things, just trying to book Texas right now. So really working on it. So I hope yeah. to go on the road and at least do a few shows come 2020 because now we're sitting in 
almost July now. Yeah, so. well, Texas, if you're listening out there, we have got an awesome cowgirl that has some badass songs. You guys and girls got to hear <laughs> this Royal Lynn. Now, where can people find you? So everything is under Royal Lynn Music. Royal has an E on it. Yeah. It's, yeah, a lot of people what? forget the E. Yeah, how, so. Now, do they pronounce <laughs> it differently in Canada? No. Nope. The French no. Canadians pronounce it any certain way? Well, so I'm actually, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Southern Ontario. So we don't have a lot of French Canadians where I'm from. But say you went to Montreal and somebody sees you, (laughs) you're at Starbucks. I don't know if you like their coffee or not. (laughs) But say you're at Starbucks or at Timmy's or whatever, and they call out and they read the name on the cup. They would probably say Royale. Royale. Which drives me nuts. (laughs) I cannot stand it. It sounds like Raphael. Like, I just feel like it's so, like, prissy. So I, I always just, I'm like, it's Royal. It's super... Super normal, yeah. low key, but yeah, no. Full name was Royal Lynn from birth. A lot of people awesome. ask that too. So, awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you were meant to be a uh, a uh, singer songwriter, country singer songwriter. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. As Coda Coda Bear is uh, is uh, having himself a day over there. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> talk about that next time. Tyler might have something for the Instagram story that we'll oh, yeah. post when the episode releases. But um, <laughs> but awesome. So people can find you Instagram, yes. Facebook, Twitter. Farmers only, whatever you're on. Farmers only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got I'm a funny kidding. story about that. I'll tell you that. Canadian farmers only. I'm just uh, kidding. But thank you for having me on, yeah. guys. Hey, thank you so much for taking time out. We know I know thank how busy you. everybody is here in this town, and I really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, – and very excited to hear you play. What song you want to play for us? Um, I think I might do Wyoming. I feel like it's a crowd favorite. My favorite song by you. I love all your songs. <laughs> yeah. But Wyoming, and we heard it over the weekend. Also, yes. a quick shout out to Evil Nash Brewing up in Clarksville. Our good buddy Jody Chapel had uh, had a nice little event. You were playing. Yes. Buddies Ethan Willis, Noah Smith. There uh, were tornadoes. There were tornadoes <laughs> going oh, yeah. on. We still made it, but it's a cool spot. Also, shout out to Smitty, who uh, was driving around with the barbecue sauce. The barbecue oh, yeah. sauce guy. Yeah. I left with like a case of barbecue sauce. So. I, I had some uh, pizza, some barbecue chicken pizza, and like oh, I nice. put it on top of it. <laughs> you threw Smitty's oh, on man, top. so good. But, but we got to hear Wyoming there, yes. and um, the story behind that song real quick. So uh, I wrote that with Sarah Jones and Priscilla Block, and we kind of came together that day, and you know, a few of us were cutting, and we were kind of just looking for for something for our albums and stuff, and we never could have imagined that we would have written that song because it's so many people have come up to us afterwards just being like, that is a, that's a hit. And we all love it, and we all want to cut it, and it's super hard because we've had to really put our, uh, we love it so much that we've had to put it on hold and just be like, okay, we need to pitch this to bigger people. So that's what we've been doing and we've been sending it everywhere. Just that's trying exciting to get. as a songwriter. We had Runaway June really love it and say like, we'd love to show it to the rest of the girls. So we did a quick demo and we sent it to them too. So we put it on Facebook and you know, the outreach that we got was huge and people loved it and people shared it and we got our little glimpse of 15 minutes of, you know, a little bit of a fame between it, our followings. It, that's, that's a glimpse. And when once that song is cut, whether yeah. it's you putting out or one of the other co-writers yeah. or somebody somebody that's up at the higher level right now. We are really pe- hoping. Hey, people are going to love that song. And yeah. I can't wait for you to play it right yeah, now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, awesome, let's do guys. It. Well, Royal, thank you so much for hanging out with us while she grabs that guitar. Uh, a little housekeeping. You remember, you can follow us on In The Round Podcast. We did This is episode 17. 
Yeah. Yeah, we can count that high, right, Tyler? <laughs> yeah. Episode 17. Thank you guys for listening. Wherever you're listening, make sure you hit subscribe, follow, leave us a review if you want. You can follow me at Matt Brill at just a wandering, not a wondering. Say it, say, say it how you say it. Wandering. It sounds like he's saying wandering like he's thinking, but it's really <laughs> wandering like he's lost in the woods. Um, so make sure you guys follow along with Tyler as well. He's going to be out on the road doing some cool things. And a uh, big shout out to the Coda Bear. Um, hanging in there, taking cool photos and videos and whatnot. Now, without further ado, here's Miss Royal Lynn with Wyoming. Y'all been listening to the In the Round podcast. I saw that you were calling. I saw the stars in his eyes. Some are born to be the right away kind. You got him a pack his bags, leave everything behind. you